What is going on, world? How you doing? Uh, we're breathing. I assume you're not in Texas, so we're good. And we survived another week. Give yourself a pat on the back, honestly, because uh, I know I earned it. Uh, if you're listening to this at this point, I love you. You know, I'm coming to you live from a residential apartment in a room that has laundry, unfolded clothes all over the unmade bed. And what I wanted to discuss early on is the ridiculous kind of first world problem, chores around the house, the things that we inevitably can't avoid. And let's rank them. I mean, what's the worst? Uh, To start, you know, we first have to... I think there's construction going on above me. I apologize. The uh, We had some like Eastern Europeans that lived upstairs. And first interaction with them, they always were traveling in a pack. There was like 11 of them at once. They were like in a Toyota Sienna, like this big mom van. And they come like bumbling in or whatever. It's like 9 a.m. There's a commotion in the hallway where our apartment is. Our unit is, it's in the back, basically all the way in the back of our floor. So it's really hard to stumble into where we're at and my girlfriend's working in the kitchen out front and all of a sudden we get a knock on the door and someone's like jimmying it and she's like oh my god i'm gonna be murdered like we all thought it was over so fight or flight or whatever i I go to the door and i'm agitating it's early in the morning and i'm like hello you know like i open it up we don't have an eye hole to see through eye hole we don't have those little, uh, or that little seeing hole so that you can make sure that there's not a murderer outside. I will say though, if you do have those, everybody outside, it could be your grandma. She's like, hello. She'll look like a murderer in that thing. Uh, not, not the best. Doesn't put them in the best light. So I interact with this guy. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I, uh, I, I tried to get to my room. I don't know. I'm so sorry. I was talking about it with my girlfriend in, uh, we have like a red a red rider. We have decorations outside of our apartment, you know, like every basic ass millennial couple. We have a, a doormat. We have all these things that are adorned to the causeway, to, to, to the threshold, to where we are in this. So the idea that this guy just randomly walked into to our spot was so absurd. And uh, so if you hear the banging, they kick these people out due to noise complaints. And I guess they had to redo the entire apartment. They were like throwing the carpet out. They were throwing the hardwood out. It was absurd. Back to the chores, right? Back to the things that we can't avoid. The things that make you say, I hate my life. All right, laundry, dishes, taking the dog out, cleaning, dusting. Is that it? Vacuuming cleaning in general. Now, for me, laundry has always been a core competency. It's been a bedrock of what I bring to the table. As I've gotten older, it's been articulated to me and I've come to understand that laundry is the easiest. You don't fucking do anything. You put it in and the machine does everything for you. And then you wait and then it goes, ding. Hey dude, I'm done. And then you saunter on over so that for me is is easily my favorite thing to do, the thing I will sign up for the most. No issue here. I mentioned making the bed though, right? Unmade bed. I've always been somebody, even when I was single, like 
you know, you have candles, you light them, smells good, you vacuum, you need to present yourself in a good way. You know, otherwise, you know, if you go over there and the place stinks, I mean, I mean, that's gross. I get your shit together. So, but despite that, I hated making my bed. I really have to this day still have like refused to learn. It's not something I do. First off, I don't believe in a top sheet. If you're listening to this and you and you have a top sheet, you're probably over the age of 37 or you have some weird, you, you got some skeletons that you're not telling people about. I mean, we're four months away from uncovering, you're going to be on Spectrum News. So not a big fan of the top sheet, even excluding that, which makes it, that's half the battle. That makes it so easy. I still don't bangs with it. So that's definitely worse. Dishes are, are by far the worst. I have avoided every dishwashing job in my entire life, like the plague. I've bartended. I've done things that are equally as gross, more manual effort, more manual labor. But that idea of somebody's bacon, egg, and cheese, and now it's my, now it's my responsibility. Like He didn't want it anymore. He, he, he paid for it. He's the one who did want it. Now he does not want it, and now it's my responsibility. Doing the dishes has got to be the worst chore. Even when my dog, I mean, if my dog poops outside, at least I can be like, you know, good job, buddy. Good poops. I can't do that. With there, There's no upside with washing the dishes. And it's frustrating because even in a place where you live, if it has a dishwasher, a lot of the times that ain't doing it. That's not good enough. So it's inevitable. Really what you got to do is get yourself a life partner who will take on all the responsibility that you desperately procrastinate on and avoid. That's really love. And that's, that's what makes a relationship stable. Like what even is a Swiffer? How am I supposed to appropriately tack handle tackle this situation? The thing goes, you know, where do I get the pads from? It's in a different spot in the store. Like what is going on? There's an extender for it. Dude. One time I bought a Swiffer. I got home. Didn't buy the Swiffer. It was just the things that go on the Swiffer. It's a racket. So I avoid that as well. If any of you recently have tried putting together some Target furniture. First off, if you're on the verge of a divorce and or you hate your life partner. Go ahead and order yourself a writing desk. Okay. Because that thing will drive a wedge between you that nothing. Even our Lord and Savior, even those vows nothing. It'll, it'll come between you. It will. And it's overwhelming and it's coming. No matter what the piece of furniture is, it's like, bro, these directions don't correlate. And I never read directions. I don't know about you if you're a dude, right? Or not. But, you know, I, I'm always about the thing in the box, not the paper that comes with it, right? I usually throw it out. It's fucked me over in the past. Big time. Don't read what's at the top of the page guy, right? And you have to do that. And it's frustrating and none of the pictures match. It'll have 17 kinetic boxes, right? From like left to right about the beginning, the end product, what it's supposed to look like with, with no language. It just says step one. It's like, bro, that's not step one, dude. And there's no number I can call. Hey, target guy. Excuse me, mister. I put desks together. Like that's not a thing. This is an Ikea. Ooh, our state governor lied again. So I think another aide, somebody threw him under the bus. He's been lying about the death totals in these uh, nursing homes for a while. He had a press conference. Didn't handle it very well. It's not very entertaining. 
Nothing's going to come of it. He'll probably get reelected. There's no term limits. We're all fucked. Bring on the nukes. So I just wanted to update pop in because I watch the pressers and uh, that every day that goes by the walls are closing in on my man. There is a federal investigation. It's been confirmed by Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, failed presidential candidate. Definition of a PTA soccer mom. Is she a MILF? Is she not a MILF? I don't know. She's in that solid six and a half to seven and a half gray, murky area. She's a Democrat, though. A lot of Democrats calling Andy out. And I think, again, we're going to have a the third or third straight governor Who's going to get impeached? There's a task force or a group rather within the House of Representatives in New York State. I think totaling over 10 members. It's bipartisan Democrats and Republicans who are willing in drafting up legislation to impeach your boy Cuomo. And I hope they change that bridge back to the Tappan Zee because that's what it always is. So pour some out for the Tappan Zee. Because me and my homies, we never call that shit Cuomo Bridge or whatever the fuck it is. But it's good. So hopefully New York will get rid of the stranglehold politically that it's had, the shackles that it's had upstate. If you're a small business owner, right, the, the ability to maneuver, to develop, to get subsidized, to get recognized, those things might happen. If that slender man, Bill de Blasio's throwing you under the bus, you done fucked up. And that's where Andy finds himself. So my hot take is that he gets impeached or resigns by March 1st. And we'll check back in on the next step because I'll be here. Listen, I know a lot of people don't like the ticks, don't like your boy to get involved in the politics. But I had a couple things I wanted to touch on. And your gas prices have been going up, so clearly things are going to the shit. Going to the shit. I mean, my gas price is where I'm at, 30 cents higher. That's the only thing I care about. So everything clearly is going to shit. Biden's been in. He's been incredibly boring, doing the standard politician thing now for a little bit. And I kind of expected this. So 2024 will be exciting. Hopefully the show will still be going on by then. Hopefully you're still listening. Kamala Harris, our VP, has officially now, it's being advertised, right? Right to your face that she is now taking calls on Biden's behalf. Biden's got, what, a year? 12 months? He was walking his dog major like a month ago, snapped his ankle. He's only got two ankles, people. So this is interesting in a lot of ways, right? It's She's clearly going to become the first president. Who is she going to pick for her VP? Will I be attending the Biden funeral? Will there be a wake? Will Hunter be handing out suboptimal cocaine in the bathroom at his father's wake? These are all questions I can't answer, but hopefully together we'll we'll, we'll get through it. I'll be there for you, and I'll probably talk about it. Also big news this week, the Cecil Hotel documentary on Netflix. This thing was garbage. The Cecil Hotel documentary is about this hotel in L.A. in Skid Row. Skid Row is obviously where all the homeless people bang. Pretty seedy place. Not the best area. Elisa Lam was a Canadian college student, I believe. 
She was on some bipolar meds. She was having a tough time, which happens. Uh, and she was traveling the West Coast. She was in LA. She was at this place. It was a cheap hotel. One thing leads to the next. She ended up on the water tank naked, up on the roof, inside of it, mind you. Um, and she died. Uh, I would say skip this overall. Like I said, go to the YouTube video, just Google it, Wikipedia it. There was one of the episodes where they just talked about with the manager, who's like this 1980s like opiate addict, former manager. And she just talks about the fact, she's like, oh yeah, 80 people died when I worked here. And it's like 80 people died. I don't even know 80 people. Like, it, is it you? It was you. Like she was probably the, mur- she probably murdered Elisa Lamb. But they just go with her and she talks about her experiences and some issues that she had with the hotel. But a lot of it centers on this renovation. She's like, oh, the entrance, we changed it to tile. Wow. Go on. Is there shiplat? It's got a lot better vibe now. Look at the walls. The backsplash is phenomenal. I really don't care. But that renovation did leave, excuse me, did lead to Elisa Lamb, a well-to-do college student, finding this place and finding it trendy enough, despite being in the ghetto, despite being in the homeless astro world, right smack dab in the middle. She probably wanted to party. Excluding that, though, she found it appealing. She booked a stay. She died there. I personally don't find it to be paranormal. I, I think that she was a woman on a mental break who was on a bunch of meds who stopped taking the meds. One thing led to the next. Maybe she popped some molly. A lot of seedy people in that area ran into somebody that told her something that she was supposed to take or snort really ended up not being that or being the exact opposite and combine that with her mental health and a water tank. That equation, right? Big chalkboard, lots of math, long division, the equal sign, death. She died. But yeah, skip this. Big skip. I've been Twitch streaming LA Noir. Game's amazing. Just Google it. It's about 1940s Los Angeles. You're a detective, Black Dahlia, women, you want to be a star, Hollywood, crime, breasts. It's exciting. And it got me thinking, it's like all the creature comforts that I've come to love, to completely abuse, to turn the AC on when I have the windows down in the car type shit, you know, speaking to that, where we are as a society right now, I mean, I'm in a chair that's like $500, right? It's like ergonomic. It's stupid. It's dumb. So we do things, we spend money. A lot of our life's goals are to put ourselves in a better position to be as comfortable and lazy as possible. And playing this game that takes place in the 40s and the 50s, back when things were actually still a society, you still had to call people, you had to go to someone's house to pick the girl up, all these different things, right? Men drank coffee, ate cigarettes, you know, smoked beef, just years and years in the digestive system of of menthol cigarettes bad cuts of beef and Folgers crystals, 1950s war coffee. These were, these were hardened men. Didn't complain. Also didn't have deodorant, right? The toothpaste was probably garbage. They had no mouthwash. Definitely didn't have the Swiffer or any of the cleaning stuff that we talked about in the beginning of this. None of those creature comforts, none of the chores that they probably would love to even take, take part in. Oh, a vacuum cleaner. Right now, I have my wife use a toothbrush on the floor. Like, it's so bad. We've come a long way. 
And it's just, I'm appreciative now of my toothpaste, of the fact that I have deodorant. Dude, everybody back in the day just stunk? Like, what was that about? Why did it take so long with deodorant? And there's people now, I'll I'll go to Target. I'll begrudgingly go to somewhere I don't want to go with my girlfriend. And people still smell. And I have a mask on. And I'm six feet away. It's absurd. The perspective was kind of nice. And it makes me appreciate Old Spice. And you should as well. There's pandemonium going on right now. My dog's trying to sleep. My girlfriend... She, I don't know what she's trying to smush him. It, it can be a lot. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah put out his uh, mock draft. He is the only person in sport media that you should really respect. There's a lot of people that talk a lot and, and they put out a lot of shit. And, and Baldy on Twitter is good. Brian Baldinger. He does Baldy breakdowns. That's excellent. A lot of these guys are terrible. Daniel Jeremiah is great. He put out his, his, uh, his mock draft. And I wanted to run down the top 10 because that's all I care about. It's a round number and it feels good. So, so he has Lawrence going number one. Who cares, right? Sunshine, that's obvious. Urban Meyer went to Clemson's Pro Day last week and they put it on their Instagram, right? They pick and choose what goes on there. They chose to put that picture. To me, that solidifies the fact, similar to last year with Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, he had the playbook a month before the draft. And going back to sport media and going up to the draft last year, 2020, you didn't know if Chase Young was going to be the pick. The reality is Lawrence has been the pick for a long time. And they probably gave him the playbook at the pro day last week. So no surprise there. Jets at number two, Zach Wilson. Daniel Jeremiah knows Joe Douglas, the Jets GM. They were uh, in the same front office, same scouting kind of department with the Ravens in the early 2000s. They know each other, they're friends. Probably, they probably threw some back together, if you know what I'm saying. And uh, he picks Wilson here. Wilson, the quarterback from BYU, to me, has the highest upside. And outside of Lawrence, I think he's clearly the second best quarterback in this draft, ahead of Fields, ahead of Lance. And I honestly think he's in the same league as Trevor Lawrence. Statistically, he's a top five quarterback in NCAA history. He's mobile. He has the size. Great arm talent. Reminds me of Matt Stafford. Really can do everything for you. And he's got that moxie, but he's not Drew Locke. He won't throw the ball into the stands on third and short. Uh, Third overall Miami with that Texans pick. Wow, is that valuable. They have Jamar Chase, the LSU receiver who skipped the season this year. Good for them. LSU was barely a functional SEC team. Jamar Chase, teammates and arguably the better player on tape than his teammate Justin Jefferson, who just went on to break Randy Moss's record and to be the most prolific Minnesota Viking rookie receiver of all time. So Chase going third overall makes sense, and he is a better receiver and better prospect ahead of Devonta Smith, in my opinion, which means nothing. Fourth overall, Atlanta, they have Trey Lance. This isn't surprising. You're going to see him going up the board. I think this is the right move. Trey Lance, to me, despite, again... Skipping out all last season is the better prospect over fields. He wins. They have a pro style system. Good arm. He threw zero interceptions when he last played in the whole season. Not in a game. 
We're not playing NCAA football and it's like, oh, damn, I threw a pick. No, the whole season in real life, this man did not throw an interception. So combine that with his size and his legs and coming from a pro style system that Carson Wentz came from in North Dakota State. He's a winner and we've seen those type of talents translate literally within the past five years, despite Wentz completely falling off a cliff. I like Lance here for Atlanta. Arthur Smith coming in, new regime. They're going to want to get a new quarterback in there and look out for that Matt Ryan trade because it's coming. Rashawn Slater, offensive tackle from Northwestern. Shouts out Northwestern, dope school. For whatever reason, a lot of people from around here go out there. Pro style system. Patty Fitz is their coach. This, this Slater kid has the most outstanding tape to me of an offensive lineman. Again, I don't watch a lot of it. I have a day job. I try to have a social life. And it's not going well. I try to do this show. And offensive lineman from a tape perspective, it's so boring. It's like, wow, he did it again. And half the time it's a screen pass. He's on the other side. It's like, what am I? I will never get this time back. But Slater over the Oregon tackle. So Slater over Oregon offensive tackle. Pinay Suell. To me, again, it's about what you're looking for. Are you more Makai Becton or are you Jedrick Wills? Again, this is in reference in parallel to last year with these first-round talents. Makai Becton, 6'8". You know, Jonathan Ogden can't teach that size. Long arms, mean, physical, high upside. But he's a little raw in his past sets. Came from a specific system. Only played on one side. Then you have Jedrick Wills, Alabama, five-chip guy. Different path, more requisite size, not as outstanding. He's not 6'9". He's not that big, but technically perfect and proficient. Wills, to me, that's what I like. I like to see good feet. I like to see good pass sets, good balance. It's what you're going to get in the NFL. People play with their hands. They're going to rush the passer. That's all they work on. You get drafted. You're All right, you're 6'4", 265. We like that. You're good, dude. You jumped 40 inches. You ran 4'5". Great. All we need you to do is work on your hands and technique. So if you can if you can counter that as an offensive player coming in and on the, on the offensive line, you're going to have success. So the technique the players that are technically proficient, I like. And again, my opinion means nothing. But that's what I value. So Slater here at five to the Bengals, I like. Moving on to my Eagles. Shouts out Zach. They haven't taken Devonta Smith. Receiver from Alabama who won the Heisman. Rare. Love to see it. Glad I lived through it. Very cool. And I like this. Um, he reminds me a lot of Justin Jefferson, to be honest, where little slight in his build, a little longer than you think, and hopefully runs faster than you want. Justin Jefferson ran a 4-4-3, and he was a long possession receiver that could run routes. So that's why that bumped him into the first round. You go, wow, this dude caught everything, and he's a good route runner, and he's sub 4-5. Devonta Smith, same thing. He's, he's still growing. A little slight, but he's 6-1. He catches everything. On the field as a route runner, those Bama guys come out crispy. Like Onondaga City edge up, baby. That shit's crispy. Judy can break ankles. He's like 22 years of age. Calvin Ridley is an ascending receiver. More valuable than Julio Jones at this point. Fight me. So I like this. And it's exciting. And taking a receiver top 10, I go back to the Rams when we took Tavon Austin. It's awesome. What more do you want? All you do is sit on YouTube for 11 straight hours and watch their highlights over and over. At least I did. Detroit, number seven. Bite your kneecaps off. Great team motto. 
Great color scheme, honestly. I love, love, love the lines. They're my number two team. I really like this front office. I really like the way that they're building this thing long-term, although they have Jared Goof. They have him taking Justin Fields, which honestly I love because the rush to play him is not there. The tools are all there. Fields reminds me of Herbert in a sense where he's going to be over... How do I say this? He's going to be overanalyzed. Where with Herbert, the things that I didn't like, yeah, he's 6'5 and he has a laser and his statistics were great. And he won games with a team that really wasn't very good in the Pac-12. But he's not a great vocal leader. He's only lived in Eugene. How's he going to do if he moves? Like all these stupid things. Similar thing here with Fields. He didn't play you know, the best teams all the time when he played inside the Big Ten when they had good pro-style defenses this season in Northwestern. In Indiana, he struggled mightily. But the kid sliced open Clemson. He's 6'4 and has a good deep ball. So him going top 10 to Detroit where he can develop, I love. Rounding out the top 10, we're going to do 8, 9, 10 here. 8 is the Panthers with Matt Rule. Maybe the best young coach, not named McVay in the NFL. Less hair gel. Probably a better leader behind the scenes. More of a, more of a fitted shirt. You know, it's not as tight fit like McVay. This guy knows how to shop for himself. And he has him taking Penai Suell, the offensive tackle, the other one in contention to go top 10, which he ends up doing here uh, from Oregon. He also skipped out this season. He is more of the Becton type where it's upside. He's got good size, like plus size, incredibly agile, incredibly athletic for that. He's like a basketball player moving out there. Like when you watch Tyson Fury fight, the six foot nine white dude with man tits and love handles is out there. He's the lightest dude I've ever seen on his on my feet in the ring, and he's six nine. Suell is big and can move like a tight end. Good IQ and he's nasty, which is good. If you got confidence as an offensive tackle, traditionally that means well, and it's good to see. Hopefully, this past year when he was off, he was training for football and he's in a better place technically than he was when he left Oregon. It sucks that we're not going to have a combine. That really does suck. I don't know how we're going to do it. I haven't looked into it. I can talk about that in the future. Obviously, it's not happening in the same capacity. So stack ranking these guys just next to each other. First off, it's hilarious. But it does have some value. And we're not going to be able to get that. So another offensive tackle going top 10. It makes sense. It's a position that's extremely valuable. Carolina needs to figure it out up front. I would like them to go quarterback, but Mac Jones is a little rich here. So moving on to number nine, Denver, the Broncos, with a mafia man in Vic Fangio running that defense. I swear, he he doesn't know what he's doing. He just puts a hit out on the offensive coordinator every week, and they he stifles him. He's like 79. This is his only head coaching job. This is really it for Vic. Make or break year. Do they take a replacement for Drew Locke? Apparently, according to this article, they don't. They go Caleb Farley, junior corner from Virginia Tech. The Denver Broncos just let A.J. AJ Boye walk, who was a declining player, but he was solid and a starter for that, for that defense, which was a top 10 unit overall. In the AFC West, mind you, right, those Kansas City and the Raiders, they want to open it up and throw it over your head. So getting a corner at a premier spot in the draft and honestly not moving up to have to do it, you know, getting the best corner in the draft, in my opinion, Farley is. He's better than Sertan. I don't really even like Sertan. Um, 
But yeah, makes sense. So again, this is one of the more rock solid mock drafts that I'll see. We haven't seen any trades, but what are you, a fucking genie? You can't predict that. Lastly, number 10 here, Dallas Cowboys. Again, they it's pretty crazy they're in this spot. They did bottom out at 6-10. and 10. Mike McCarthy is still the worst coach in the NFL, and they have the Cowboys taking Patrick Sertan, corner from Alabama. He is a baby. He does have the requisite size and will test well. But from my understanding, Bama corners, they play a certain scheme to where they don't see a lot of the field. Could be wrong. We saw Akuda, who was the best corner last year from a different scheme in Ohio State, another good program, struggle mightily as well. He also was coached by Matt Patricia. It says a lot. If Matt Patricia was your mechanic, the car would explode. So this will be a bust, whoever it is, but this time it happens to be Bama Corner, Patrick Sertan. That rounds out the mock top 10. Uh, Big Ben. So Colbert, the GM of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Big Ben is obviously a Hall of Fame player, fat quarterback, looks like a Teddy Graham. Good guy, though, overall. Two rapes in the past. Let that sink in. You can Google it. They were noncommittal to him. He's on the books next season for over $40 million. And he's like 39, and they weren't that good last year. Faltered down the stretch. Is he coming back? Is he going to retire? Is it a Phillip Rivers situation where he gets moved right before the season or in the offseason? We shall watch. It's going to be exciting. The J.J. Watt sweepstakes are going on. Houston, the whole state of Texas is is just, I don't know what's going on with it. It might not exist by the time you're here in this. So he got the hell out of there. Rumors are he's going to Green Bay, Cleveland, or Pittsburgh. All those places are super cold. Rust Belt type stuff. Very blue collar. Very bacon, egg, and cheese at 6 a.m. on the road type shit. I like it. I think it's a fit. Maybe see him go to the Steelers. Maybe that's why they're non-committal to this Big Ben money. Maybe we see him go to Cleveland. Having him, Olivier Vernon, and Miles Garrett would be absolutely absurd. Or you have him go to Green Bay, which I think is the best fit and makes the most sense. He's from Wisconsin. Big cheese guy. Big cheese head. Now, I think he transferred. I don't know what his college career was. I think he started somewhere, then transferred. Either way, big cheese, dude. So seeing him back in the green and yellow with Green Bay, I think this week it gets done, and I think we will see it happen. And lastly, with the sports, Tom Brady, literally like two days ago, I was just scrolling. Your boy was just scrolling. And he put an Instagram post out, blasted it all over all his medias, back to work. I was of the ilk that he was going to ride off into the sunset and be done. But no, most likely he's going to restructure, add another year to the deal, get more guaranteed base money, definitely play next year. And depending on how that goes, then he'll do another season. I mean, Brady's going to be like the oldest player. Vinatieri is the oldest ever at 47. And I know like quarterbacks used to get drafted and then go to the war and come back. And they'd be like 51 punting and playing receiver, but it's a different time. So yeah, Brady being like a 45-year-old, it's pretty crazy to see. Again, pretty cool to live through. And some of these guys, they're not around forever. You know, RIP Kobe, I still say it every time I throw something in the garbage can. You should as well. Bank it in. 
bummy Carson Wentz finally traded. I was a little bit off on the timeline. Took a while to to finalize. From what I understand, from what I've read, the Colts' initial offer is the one that was accepted in the end. So Carson goes to Indy for a third-round pick this year, a conditional second-round pick in next year's draft. And if Wentz ends up doing something he won't do because he's a bad quarterback, that second-round pick becomes a first-round pick. Honestly, we all knew this was coming for for a while. I feel like a lot of the shock in the NFL media is gone. You know, once Adam Schefter sniffs something, gets a little... You know months out. It's not as exciting. However, here we are. And this allows Jalen Hurts to finally to take over. He played well last year. I think if he was two inches taller, he would have been a top 15 pick. Won a lot of games. Can scramble. He can get friggy with it. So I have faith. If I'm the Colts, again, you know, Chris Ballard, everybody blows him, tells him he's the best GM in the league. This is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. Carson Wentz was worse than Jared Goff, and the Lions at least took on assets and first-round picks to take on that dead money. And Carson Wentz's dead money is $12 million more million this season than Jared Goff's is comparatively. Both of them broke records for dead money. That's how bad they are on some Brock Osweiler shit. Like, bro, you got to get out. Not that many dominoes left. Really aren't. My dog, Chris Hogan, formerly 7-Eleven of Miami Dolphins, Hard Knocks fame. Then he's been a journeyman, you know, traditional Northeastern slot Patriots receiver. Then he went to the Jets. He was terrible. Um, He just made a seamless, unexpected, pretty dope transition from you know, formerly waived receiver NFL bum to pro lacrosse player. So he's already got a sponsorship and he's entered the professional lacrosse league PLL draft. And apparently he's going to be like a first round pick, even though he's like 33. If I'm a team, I'm literally drafting him for this, for the clout, have him run an in route, score a couple goals, sign a couple shirts have we ever seen this before? So Bo Jackson, way before I was born, I'm still a young virile pup. Deion Sanders, still, that was early 90s, a little bit before me. He had the swag. Wish I was alive for it, but from my understanding, he played NFL as well as played for the Braves in the MLB. But professional football, going to professional lacrosse, weird combination. Chris Hogan played at Monmouth in New Jersey. And from everything that I understand about his, I mean, the very little, I'm going to act like I'm smart. I did 11 minutes of Wikipedia research. And from what I read in his early life section on his Wikipedia page was that he was actually a better lacrosse player than he was football player. Uh, But obviously up until even recently, pro lacrosse doesn't pay anything. You have to pay them. Like they invoice you for the game. It's like, oh, I scored the game winner. They're like, yeah, yeah, Jersey wasn't free though, dude. And the locker room, right? It's like, it's a Y. This is a YMCA. There were old men in there as well. Still got to pay. 
So up until recently, now you actually can make some money. I'm sure maybe times are tough. Maybe he's a part of that, uh, that one in four that goes bankrupt very shortly after being in the NFL. But yeah, Chris Hogan, former NFL player. Now he's going to be a pro lacrosse player. Look out for that. Hopefully he's, uh, you know, living that life, ripping shots, got some boat shoes on a backwards polo strap back hat, potentially inside of a girl when she's unconscious at a house party, all the things that you have come accustomed to understanding and accepting about that lifestyle. One of the last topics, I'm on a roll tonight. My girlfriend hates me. I'm rambling. Just me and my pup in here. Actually, he left. That's how in the zone I am for y'all. But is Doge dying? It's at 50 cents right now. Hopefully by the time you're hearing this, it's at $5. And I'll see you in Daytona Beach, baby. But if it ain't, buy it. Buy it, buy it, buy it. Buy it and hold it. Me and the boys have a lot of shares. I know they're holding it. I know I'm holding it. They have more skin in the game than I do. Hopefully it doesn't die. Again, still seeing a movement where it was at .9, maybe $0.10, maybe a dime, and now it's holding at $0.50, and people are still saying it's a failure. It isn't. It's cool to be a part of. Yeah, buy it. It's dipping. Buy on the dip, sell on the high. This is Wolf of Wall Street stuff. You're made for this. Go make your dreams happen. Once I figure out Discord, I will get more guests on. There's people that I do want to talk to, stories I definitely want to tell, but I got to get the sound quality right. So once I get that going, that will be more prevalent. Again, I'm just sticking to the once a week thing. It's dope to be creative and push yourself. Y'all should do it too. Also, damn, they're coming out with NCAA footballs coming back. Very exciting. We'll be on the PS5, which nobody owns, so good luck to that. There'll be 11 people playing it. If if I get in that elite group, if I'm one of the 11, I'm going to carve you up with the University of Maine, with UD, where Joey Flacco threw his big dick and threw big, deep passes in college. So I don't necessarily have a preferred team, but hearing that game come out to see that happen is exciting. Again, the internet is out here actually getting shit done. Millennials are impressive. We also ruin things, you know, like traditional things and a lot of the structures that enabled us to really have fun and actualize and have careers in advance and be entrepreneurs and have hobbies and fall in love, travel. Besides that, though, again, my dog says, what up? Thank you for hanging out. Thank you for listening. I don't know how long I've been sitting here. My back hurts. And I put in the work. Should have should have roughly an hour. I think that's a good time for y'all. Not too long, not too short. Kind of boring, kind of not. If you are listening, thank you. I'll be talking to you. See y'all.